I'm Russ. And I'm Danny. And this is the Memory Makers Podcast. The show focused on helping you create amazing customer experiences and make more memories. What's up, Danny? Hey, How are you, back brother? For, back for another episode. Oh, I've been itching to get back into the booth, man. I'll tell you, Mike Mike has been doing such a great job in behind the scenes and keeping the podcast studio uh, just moving right along. So we're having fun with the toys over here. Speaking of which, I wish I had some, some cans, <laughs> as they call it, in the industry. Cans yeah, I got to get your cans on. Something yeah. cool to put over my ears to make it look like I'm in like a super legit studio. Spoiler alert, these are not actually connected. It is just for the look. So <laughs> it's just for the look. Just for, for those who are watching on video, those who are on audio, you don't see the coolness of Russ's headphones right now. Um, you gotta you gotta check it out on the video, man. That's where the action is. <laughs> so, you know, it uh, just this week I was working on writing an article for a magazine and the article is all about how the best business owners also happen to be the best learners and mm. it was a really good reminder for me to be learning every single day continuous learning and continuous education because I should never get to the end of a day thinking oh man did I learn something because that continuous education is so important because I mean, here's the reality is the industry is evolving a lot and it's evolving at an increasing rate. And so for all of us as in the industry, whether you're vendor, operator, anybody else, being able to stay ahead of the game, learn the trends and be able to adjust your business accordingly is the way to stay ahead. I agree. I, I love that you're getting a chance to get more content out like that. And I think that it's a great transition to some of the things that we're talking about on the episode today where it's we need to be intentional and seeking out information to be making informed decisions, whether that's, you know, targeting proper audiences, how, how are we going to best speak to them? What's going on in consumer trends? You know, how are we going to set proper goals to do all of that and, and have informed decisions to start with? And I think that so often it's easy to just get into the autopilot of working on the business instead of in the business or in the business, not on the business rather. And this hopefully will inspire some folks to take some time to do some strategic and intentional thinking and planning and, and maybe share some of the successes and insights that we've had as we've gone through that process too. And that's what today's episode is going to be all about. You kind of teased it there really well is understanding mm -hmm. your audience and your goals for when you're new, adding new attractions to your mix, right? So we're going to start with kind of talking about the audience mm -hmm. and really it kind of breaks down into the most popular ones for our, um, the operators in this industry are going to be preteens, teens, and adults. Mm -hmm. But we want to break that down even further between those categories to understand what are the active generations right now, all the way from Gen Z as, young, as the youngest to the baby boomers as the oldest and understanding what are the trends that affect them, what are the, um, the, the factors they use in their decision-making process, what's important to them. So you can understand who is my audience and how am I gonna cater my attractions and my messaging in order to engage with them at a higher level. So and what I'd like to do is start with 
Gen Z. I'm sorry, I interrupted. What'd no, you no, no. Say? I was I was stepping in. I, I just one thing is we we can. It's easy to paint with a very broad brush in some of these things. So you need to remember there's nuance and and all of that fun stuff within these age groups. But what we're going to try to focus on are some just key statistics and some initial starting points. So as you're trying to seek alignment with these groups, you have a, a little bit more of a, a starting point of thinking creatively about how to touch with them. So sorry about that, brother. You're all good. Yes, each of these generations contains multitudes, as I like to say. (laughs) It's not just one uh, giant group of people that act and think the same way, but these are good rules of thumb. So Mm -hmm. Gen Z, this is the middle school, high school, and college age kids right now. Uh, Most of your employees are probably in that Gen Z category as well. They're very entrepreneurial, uh, looking at ways to start their own businesses or be very savvy with that. They're also super tech savvy. And especially if you've got kids or you've got employees who are in the Gen Z category, you won't be surprised to learn that on average they spend more than 10 hours a day on their digital device, their cell phones, um, or a tablet or computer or anything else. So they're spending a lot of time on those devices, a lot of time on social media, the big ones being YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram for that particular audience. Now, one of the interesting things also about Gen Zs when we think about them, they They uh, desire cool products over cool experiences, and they also tend to make a lot of very impulse buying decisions. And so that's something that you can kind of consider as you're thinking of ways to engage them either online through your website, through social media, or when they're in the doors of how can you be able to, to engage that instinct of them wanting to make these impulse buying decisions. And one thing as we kind of go up in the age groups, and I'll mention this now, is that Gen Z, are very closely tied to Gen X because Gen Z are the children of the Gen X generation. And when we get to that part, I'm going to kind of explain how those two are tied together. So Russ, I want to pass it back to you to talk about the millennial group. Yeah, for sure. So the millennials now are a little bit older, a little bit wiser. So they're in their late 20s in getting into their early 40s now. So uh, they are really have surpassed a, the baby boomers as far as the largest um, population within the workforce. They have $2.5 trillion in buying power and spending power that they influence on the economy, which is fantastic. And where Danny was mentioning that uh, the Gen Zers are spending more on um, cool products and and more of those kinds of widgets. We've seen overall millennials consistently will spend their discretionary income more towards um, convenience as well as experiences and travel specifically is a very big part of that. And so there's good and the bad with both of those groups that we have things that are product driven like cool things in our um, in our redemption and really cool experiences that we do through the variety of attractions that we do. So as you're looking at these two groups and the others, and you're thinking of what the kind of frequency and variety of the messages are, we'll we'll go through some of that in a little bit more detail of, again, just how do we want to meet this group where they are? And so millennials, as they continue to really look for that convenience and look for the experiences piece, another huge factor for them is the philosophical alignment with the brands. And so when you're looking at something where they need to feel like 
like their personality and the personality of your brand and the extension of your brand um, feel in harmony, right? They want that to be something where, whether it's your posts that you're putting out there about local community service projects or fundraising and philanthropy that you're doing, this group is really going to lean and gravitate towards those messages of what's the tone and how how is this uh, company or business acting like a person that I would like to hang out with, if that makes sense. And uh, it's really interesting to also see when you look at this group, the impact that they are having on the workforce in general, as well as you're trying to get more of your managers and your um, mid-level staff that are going to fall into this age range. It's really, really important that that philosophical alignment is internal and external because you're going to not only be looking for them for uh, guests and entertainment, you're also looking at some of these folks as employees. And so your internal culture and that extension of who you are as a company needs to be both internal and external for millennials. So moving up in the uh, age groups, we've got Gen X. Now I mentioned Mm -hmm. Gen Z and Gen X are very closely tied together. And the reason for that is because uh, Gen X are the parents of the Gen Z generation. Mm -hmm. So they're roughly 40s and 50s is the age group they're going to fall into. And this was the first generation that really um, kind of brought up the idea of work-life balance. They wanted to work to live instead of living to work. And... um, you know, when we look at this, it's interesting because the Gen X parents and part of the reason that the tie with Gen Z is so important is because they allow their kids to influence the way that they do their family spending, especially when it comes to their leisure spending, right? It's not a parent's decision and then they're saying, kids, this is what we're going to do. They bring the kids into the decision. They say, hey, we're going to be going on vacation or hey, we're going to do something this weekend or hey, we're going to go, you know, have some fun together as a family. What do you want to do? And they get buy-in from the kids. So it's an entire family decision. Now, part of the reason that this is important is if you are going to be targeting either Gen Z or Gen X, it's important to get buy-in from both of those generations, getting buy-in from the kids and the parents in your marketing messaging and the way that you're communicating what you have. That way you're gonna be most equipped to be able to engage them and bring them through the door because more so than any other generation before, those kids, they are influencing the household spending, especially when it comes to the leisure. It's all that screen time, man. They're they're there. They're getting those pop up notifications and fun, you know, impulse purchase pieces and and kind of sharing that with the group and helping drive that. So, it's uh, it's a very interesting dynamic of how interlinked those that spending power is these days with them. Uh, looking at our last group of our baby boomers, the late fifties to mid seventies age range. This is a group that currently has about 51% of the current, you know, economic wealth in our country, and they are spend the most by far in volume on out-of-home entertainment. And so this is trips. These are, you know, when the whole family's getting together, they're doing a lot more of those big group gathering purchases for families and finding ways to bring the family together. And so this this is a group where, you know, if Gen Zers are the impulse purchasers, your baby boomers are the detailed research, you know, they are going to look out for 
reviews and referrals. They're going to look up and, and use their social network as well to before they make any kind of purchase. It's a, a longer process and more engagements required to get them to take action um, just because they're going to, you know, want to feel much more comfortable in a larger group endeavor that they're trying to put together typically. And this group as well is one that we need to be cognizant of what platforms they're going to be on versus your Gen Xers or millennials and things where, you know, your, your baby boomers are going to be a lot more on Facebook where your Gen Zers, it, you will never find them on Facebook. Maybe a little bit on Instagram, but it's Snapchat and TikTok that they're going to be at. So we need to be thinking of where are these folks, you know, kind of digitally, physically located <laughs> and, uh, and where and how we start to speak to them on those platforms too. Digitally, physically located. We're going to trademark that term if no one has. Because Do it, Mike. Right now. on the books. <laughs> trademark it. And it's really good to know. So that's kind of a breakdown of the different generations and the audiences. So next step, what are your goals? Right. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different goals you may want to achieve when you're looking to add an attraction. And let me go over what a couple examples might be. So we just talked a lot about the different audiences. Perhaps you you reach Gen Z really well, and now you want to reach a new audience. You want to get more millennials. Okay, that's one goal. Maybe you want to just increase overall traffic through your door. That's a different goal. Perhaps increasing per capita spending or increasing food and beverage spending. Maybe you want to be able to book more birthday parties and more group events. Maybe it's more corporate events. Maybe you want to increase the dwell time, right? These are all very real goals that you may have, but each of these may have very different methods on how you want to achieve them. And so it's important to take a step back and say, okay, what exactly do we want to do with adding a new traction? Mm -hmm. That way we can be able to identify the goal, identify the audience with that goal, and then we can start looking at the attractions that will help us achieve that goal. Too often I see people just go straight down the path of like, I need to add a new attraction, what should I add? And I like to back up and say, okay, well, the answer that you don't wanna hear is it depends, because what is your goal? <laughs> what are you trying to achieve? And I think it's really important that we take a step back, ask ourselves that question so we can properly answer it. I, I totally agree. I think then also defining what that success looks like to your point of what does this feel and look like for the guests? What does this look and feel like for our staff? Is it easy to maintain? Is it something that you know provides a really cutting edge, crazy cool experience for the guests? Likely means that that's going to have some more operational overhead for your staff. And so trying to take a good look at you know how do we want this to perform from a financial standpoint? How do we want the, our staff to feel comfortable running this? Do we need to have more specialized labor in order to do that those are some of the things that we need to to identify and so typically and we've we've used a, a book by Dan Sullivan it's called the question it's a great book that's out there and they use an initial framing question and then have you outline some sub points to it in order to go down this process and and identify um, you know what's going to make this an easy and great smashing success and and what's going to make us feel like at the end of the day we're really pleased with the decisions that we've made on it so I'm going to read this to you it's the the core question that we get from this is if we were having this conversation six months after your attraction opens what do you what do customers have to say about the experience for you to feel happy with how you've built the attraction 
And so it's looking at, okay, I want you to put your future crystal ball hat on and in six months or one year or three years from now, um, and we were having this conversation, what has to take place in order for you to feel that this was worth the time and effort and energy that you're putting into it? And I think it's important to have a variety of those benchmarks. What does it look like in six months? What does it look like in a year? What does it look like in three years? So that way we can be more intentional about what our true cost of ownership is going to be like and we, it starts to create better follow-up questions for us um, as we really want to make informed decisions on, is this the attraction that we need in order for this particular group? You know, if we're trying to get more millennials in, is this experience the right one for them or do we need something that's a little bit different? If we're trying to get more Gen Zs in, uh, hey, it may be we want to just take our redemption stuff totally over the top and bring our arcade um, experience totally over the top because that's going to resonate with them more. But we need to really be layering all of these pieces that we've been talking about so far together and in Congress. So that way we're not setting ourselves up for a poor investment. Um, and we're at least hedging the, uh, or minimizing the opportunities for failure. So I and think that, that oh, oh, please go ahead. The specificity is important, mm-hmm. right? If you say I want to increase per capita spending. Okay. Well, by what? increasing it by 10 cents is increasing it. What is the watermark we want to get to? If mm-hmm. we just say more, we'll never know if we're being successful. And part of what I think is important with that is it's not just um, identifying the number of whatever that is or identifying the metric that we want to follow and how that's going to increase in the next six months, 12 months, two years, three years, looking into the future. It's also understanding that regardless of the amount of research that you do, your goal is going to kind of be an educated guess. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be market, market conditions. There's going to be things that the, the customers do or don't engage with in different ways. And it's sometimes a bit of trial and error. I know mm-hmm. internally at, at Creative Works, we've set certain metrics and benchmarks we want to hit and we get six months down the line and we go, we had great intentions. These numbers weren't actually realistic. Let's adjust to what the reality is in the market and mm-hmm. make sure that we feel more successful and we have a, a, a better chance of being able to hit our goals instead of just shooting for the moon on something that is totally unrealistic. And so it's important to understand that. I agree. I think that that as you get more data, it helps inform and paint the picture more. And at times, you're just not going to have a good starting point of data. You're going to have assumptions. It's going to be anecdotal stuff. It's going to be from you know your back pocket and kind of throwing it to see what sticks. And that's okay. There, you know, again, the the biggest thing is by you mentioned, Danny, by being specific and being clear on what and how this needs to show up in a variety of forms. We can then start setting up benchmarks and goals of okay, how do we start to get there? Not getting obsessed with the tyranny of, of how, um, but knowing, okay, this is a direction that we need to move in, and now we can start eating the elephant one bite at a time and give ourselves a little bit of grace when that, you know, when when we realize, ooh, okay, we were, we were off our benchmarks and our baselines, you know, when we started down this process. That is also not to say that every once in a while you should have some crazy, big, hairy, audacious goals because a lot of times you'll find that you can surpass and ex- uh, exceed what some of those benchmarks benchmarks were. So something like Grant Cardone's 10X, you know, there there are certain things that you can leverage where it does make sense to set crazy goals, but again, having that specificity will also ensure that you're able to get to a much higher level of performance on some of that. So regardless, you need to be just thinking of what are we really trying to do here? Do we have data or mechanisms in place that we can track and improve those? If we don't, what do we need to do to get that? And and just slowly start to to 
kind of back your way out, reverse engineer it. Um, so that way it just opens up the, the holes that you know that you don't have and, and start to get more information. So let's recap the three main points that we talked about today. First is understanding your audience and who you're trying to target. The next is identifying your goals for a new attraction. And then the third is defining what success is going to look like. And when you can do all three of those things, you're you're going to be on the path to achieving whatever success may be for you in that, in, in that given instance than if we just kind of go through this a little bit vaguely. And so that specificity is really important. And I hope that this helps you as you plan out your future and your location-based entertainment venue and understanding how you want to roll out new attractions and new different things. And, and Russ, I'd say that's another good episode in the books and what, like 20 minutes or less, some good and nuggets. baby. That's right. Well, you know, that's how we like to do it. It's, it's, it's small, but powerful. You know, we like to get as much in as we can with that 20 minutes. But I uh, I agree. We've always got more episodes coming down the, the pipe for you guys. So be sure to check in weekly with us to get those, um, hear more valuable insights from us and others as we start inviting guests onto the program. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. And give us those five stars, please, and thank you. (laughs) And if you have any ideas for future topics or future guests, please let us know. Send us a message on any of our social media platforms. Sounds great. And big shout out to Mike back on the ones and twos working the, the inner workings of the ultra web for us. We appreciate you, good sir. And thank you, troublemakers. We will catch you on the next one.